0: Before the pandemic, there was so much easy results that you could get. Just dump more money into digital customer acquisition and you're going to acquire more customers. And that opportunity has dried up quite a bit. So we do see retailers trying to be creative in how they leverage the store more as part of that customer acquisition because it's it's actually becoming cheaper <laughs> to invest in stores around customer acquisition than it is to dump more money into digital customer acquisition costs. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside
1: access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. We are running this podcast around October-ish, so holiday may be on the brain, but I know for a lot of you, 2023 strategy and budgeting is also top of mind. Because of that, I wanted to bring someone in to chat with me about what's really rising to the top in terms of investment priorities How are retail teams thinking about innovation right now with so much uncertainty and volatility in the marketplace? And most of all, who needs to be involved in the technology decision-making process, especially as we think about the more holistic omni-channel customer experience? With that introduction, you may not be surprised that I brought in Nikki Bayard for this chat. She is currently the VP of Strategy for Aptos, but as many of you likely know, she has deep analyst roots as well as expertise being a retail executive. So she is always our go-to when it comes to covering that full scope of decision making, strategy, and of course, technology implementation. So we get into a lot, but really the underlying theme of this is how can retailers set a foundation for innovation within their business and how can individuals help influence or guide or impact the technology decisions being made, especially if they know it will have an impact on the customer experience. So listen in, she provides a really great insight into what the decision-making table looks like today and what role you can play. Nikki, thanks so much for being on the show. It's great to chat with you again. Thanks for having me back. Love it. Yeah, we we are going to have a very deep dive conversation around some of the dynamics and conversations that you're having. I kind of want to start with the work that you're doing because I, I think it's so fascinating. Obviously, a lot of folks know you from your executive roots, your analyst roots, and now, of course, you are the VP of strategy for Aptos. And your day-to-day entails a lot of conversations, right? Like you, you talk a lot with retailers about their goals, their challenges, and of course, how they can better innovate and kind of keep pace with all of the change that's happening in the retail industry. So we've been talking a lot about issues like inflation, business profitability, I'm sure no surprises among the folks listening right now. So I wanna ask, again, knowing that you're, tasked with helping these businesses innovate, you know, set profitable roadmaps for the future. How is innovation playing a role in conversations right now, given that we're thinking about things like inflation, economic volatility, things like that?
0: Yeah, I would say that the conversations definitely are still focusing very much on innovation. So it's sort of a, look, I have to spend money. And we have a lot of retailers who the last two, almost three years now of living with pandemic and supply chain issues really has put a stopper on some of the investment plans that they want to make, especially in stores, because it's dependent a lot of times on being able to acquire the hardware. So despite the economic volatility, despite the uncertainty and about consumer discretionary spending and all of those things, retailers have kind of a big, heavy backlist of things that they need to invest in and they are ready and willing and able to make those investments. And so they're sort of looking at it as I've got to catch up, but if I'm going to spend this money, I want to make sure that it's future-proofing me as well. So it's definitely not a heads down, look, I just need to get this thing done so that, you know, I can do omni-channel or whatever. It's much more, okay, but then what are you going to do for us in the next two or three years as well? And how is that going to help us drive innovative experiences with our customers. So it's good conversations from my perspective. I'm glad that that focus is there.
1: Okay, that's great. So you're saying that overall, there is still that focus within the C-suite to innovate, think forward versus hold on, let's like put on the brakes a little bit and focus on like what's kind of happening right now. Like there's still like that forward looking perspective.
0: Yeah, it's sort of marrying up the, you know, I was supposed to swap out all my hardware in 2020 because it's getting old and it's preventing me from doing lots of new things that I want to be able to do. So I still need to do that very much so. But if I'm going to do that, I don't just want to catch up to the things that I was planning on doing in 2020. I want to look ahead to 25 and beyond and be thinking about what are the things I'm going to want to do so that when I do make these big, heavy investments in stores, that it's not just going to pay off this year, it's going to pay off longer term future as well.
1: Got it. And then in terms of like investment focus, obviously, you spoke about customer experience and we all know that that spans across channels there's that demand for a more unified experience so i mean how are tech decisions taking shape or how are the considerations changing now that because of the pandemic and because of evolving consumer demand we know now more than ever that fulfillment needs to be seamless and and omni-channel. Inventory needs to be aligned and transparent across channels. Like, how is all of these aspects playing a role in technology conversations and ultimately decisions?
0: Yeah, it's really interesting because the CIO is definitely the one who is driving a lot of these innovation discussions or it's coming out of the technology team And I think it's because there's just this awareness now that you can't really innovate without technology. So if you can't start with what the technology can help you do, then it doesn't matter how big your dreams are. (laughs) If you can't implement them, then it's great to dream, but that's not a strategy. So we see more companies starting from the technology perspective of what's out there and what can we do with what can technology do. And then translating that into, okay, what can we do with that technology? So it is a very tech-heavy discussion. And I would agree, it's definitely focused on that intersection between customer experience and inventory, because I think lots of retailers are seeing where there's been a bit of a pullback in terms of e-commerce and consumer spending in e-commerce. It's kind of flattening out, or it's certainly not continuing to grow, at the rates that we saw during the pandemic. But what hasn't flattened out is omnichannel. And I think a lot of retailers were sort of taken by surprise. I think they expected to see that, like buy online, pick up in store, for example, would drop off once consumers felt more comfortable coming back to stores. And instead, it's just accelerated, <laughs> it's, it continues to grow at those pandemic rates. And so it is creating a lot of need to kind of shore up those processes. But then they are thinking about it in terms of, well, it's great that I could do buy online, pick up in store today. Like that's a pretty established use case. And it's really just kind of working through the retailer's infrastructure and processes to make it happen. But then they're starting to talk about, okay, but then how do I turn that into something more? Where are consumers going to want to go next with that? Like, do I need to be able to be able to add more items to the order? Or do you suggested selling on the part of the store associate when the customer comes in the store to pick something up? Like, what else can I do beyond just, okay, I took your order and here you go. Here's the item when you came in the store. So that's the kind of questions and back and forth that we're engaging in with our customers. And it really is driven primarily from the tech team. And then they bring in the different impacted parties as they go through it. So then you would talk to store people and you would talk to supply chain people and the e-commerce people, like they're the ones who are kind of bringing all of those people to the table.
1: Got it. Okay. That was going to be my next question. So I'm glad you went there. So it's largely the tech team or the CIO kind of leading most of these conversations with you. And then depending on the use case or the impacted parties, as you say, they would kind of bring those team members into maybe buy in or kind of pull back the layers as far as what that experience needs to look like? Am I getting that right?
0: Yeah. I mean, there is definitely some risk there because we have encountered some situations where the CIO has kind of sounded like they're talking for the whole organization. And then when we get in and start talking to the other impacted parties, especially the store operations team, right? Because it's such a it's just such a complicated (laughs) operation. It's distributed, it's got such high turnover in the workforce and you're basically managing a hundred to a thousand mini businesses all on their own. A lot of times we find that the store ops teams have different ideas and different priorities than what the technology group represents. So I would say that while it's awesome and helpful when you you can engage with one group like the technology group, and then they help sort of facilitate within the organization, it's really important to make sure that the rest of the organization is already aligned as opposed to like a technology executive who sees cool technology, modern architecture and wants it, and then is trying to persuade the rest of the organization to get it. We've definitely still encountered some of those situations.
1: Right, yeah. Like, cause that's always something that I think about And, you know, try to question when it comes to some of these big store initiatives or anytime people talk about next gen tech in the store. I'm like, well, what if the store like a specific location isn't there yet, whether it be because, you know, they're focusing on fundamental issues with operations and, you know, the workforce, like you said, and they're just like not ready yet to implement that because then if you try to push it in the store i could imagine like either it doesn't get used or it doesn't get used well and that kind of defeats the purpose of having the technology to begin with right so how do you how do you balance that i mean maybe there's no answer to this but i mean like how do you ensure that the considerations of all of these different locations and you know where they're standing I guess, from a business operation standpoint and ensure that like they're considered and like even heard when these tech decisions are being made? Is that something that you guys support or is that something that like needs to happen internally within the retail organization? Like they need to be aligned first and maybe it's like a bottom up strategy versus top down.
0: Yeah, we definitely don't want to be the group that's selling to those internal organizations. Like and that's that's where you're sort of almost guaranteed the least success is where you're being used as the hammer (laughs) (laughs) where everybody's a nail. Yeah, that definitely is not good. So I would definitely advocate for getting that alignment upfront, but it's also a little bit of a give and take and kind of a chicken and an egg problem because you also have a lot of technologists who have to deal with, you know, well, I read this article that said we could do X. So so I do find that technology groups are becoming much more careful about what they expose the rest of the organization to in terms of what's possible, because they don't, you know, it's, it's like, we're not using Dali to you know, generate product images. <laughs> so I know that that's what everybody's talking about, but that's not on our roadmap and it's not going to be right. It's right. those <laughs> kinds of conversations. <laughs> that they're trying to avoid. So a lot of times they want to, like, they come to us and say, look, I want to know, what are you going to deliver in the next five years? Because those are the things that I want to take back to my organization to say, what order do you want to do these in? Which is really healthy conversation, but it's also challenging because it's like, well, I can tell you what we're going to do next year and I can tell you where we want to go. But as far as like the four intervening years that we're missing there. I can't provide you a lot of detail. Like we have to keep some flexibility out there. So
1: yeah, especially given how quickly everything's changing, right? Like I know like there there is some like some of the trends that really reached a peak during the pandemic, for instance, like we, we were covering, we were talking about them, but there was like that really significant surge in adoption and you know different generations using technology and realizing the benefits. So it was really profound seeing you know all of these trends meld together and evolve so rapidly. So I mean, I'm sure like the retailers are thinking not just about like where the technology is going and and where companies like Aptos are going from a roadmap perspective, but, finding connecting points or meeting points with what the consumer is expecting or will expect over those five or so years. So, I mean, what's really rising to the top right now in terms of consumer behaviors for, I guess, not just app shows, like things that your team is keeping an eye on, but also what's coming up in conversations with retailers right now, especially as it becomes a conversation around innovation, right, and, and differentiating through that customer experience?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely looking at it through the lens of the consumer, the end customer experience that that everybody wants to talk about. We want to talk about it that way. Our retailers want to talk about it that way. And there is some uncertainty. So that's where we are getting asked quite a bit, like, well, what's your point of view on what consumers are going to want next? Because we're kind of in this collective taking a breath (laughs) and trying to figure out Are we all going to continue to work from home or have some kind of hybrid? That has some real, real implications for retailers in terms of their store location strategy, for example, where there's been a heavy concentration of retail around places that people go to work. And if people aren't going to work there, then do retailers need to really reconsider and invest more heavily in the locations where people live? So it's kind of some of it we're kind of waiting just to see like how much is this stuff going to stick and retailers have some time on some of those bigger questions because leases and real estate and all of the kind of slows things down because they're all kind of longer term windows that that retailers have to look at but that one is one big major area and then and then just understanding you know how much are they going to come back to the store I think most retailers have come to the conclusion that the store was kind of in a decline in terms of foot traffic to begin with. And there is gonna be a point where that basically just levels out. But you know, there's things that you can do that can add value to the store experience and make it a destination. And so it's those things from a consumer behavior standpoint where we see a lot of interest, what being able to support events and you know community kind of oriented things or being able to have store associates be almost more like mini influencers and mini celebrities within their location so that people want to come to the store to interact with them and also real basic tactics around customer acquisition i think before the pandemic there was so much easy results that you could get, just dump more money into digital customer acquisition and you're going to acquire more customers. And that opportunity has dried up quite a bit. So we do see retailers trying to be creative in how they leverage the store more as part of that customer acquisition, because it's it's actually becoming cheaper (laughs) to invest in stores around customer acquisition than it is to dump more money into digital customer acquisition costs.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really strong point. And that kind of reaffirms the importance of great service in the store, or if you implement technology in the aisle, for instance, making sure that that's meaningful and has a purpose. I mean, I think over the past year, we've been covering a lot about in store tech that's usually through the lens of like quick and seamless service, but like, how do you turn that into an engagement lever? I think those are the types of conversations that are really fascinating for me because the technology serves multiple purposes as long as you look at them and invest in them in a strategic way and are constantly assessing like how consumers are engaging with it and does it make an impact? And and I feel like, well, I hope at least that like that's how retailers will be thinking about that in-store technology versus like how cool and glitzy can we make the experience? And I feel like that was starting and then, of course, tapered off a bit with the pandemic. But I mean, how are you seeing that space shake out? Yeah,
0: I think that ties back into a question that you had asked before that was a big question that I'm not sure that we actually answered, which was, how do you make sure that the technology you deploy to stores actually is successful? And is there weariness? You know, and I do see very much store operations teams that are very leery of new technology coming into stores. Like they want to make sure that it's very practical, that the user experience is very seamless and easy, that you're not putting barriers in the way of store associates engaging with customers or you're not putting barriers in the way of customers trying to achieve their objectives. So there's more pushback out there. I see on the part of store operations where they're like, "Look, we can only take so much change and I don't want you guys to come and dump, you know, some new tool for I don't know, store fulfillment for example and then run, right? Go away, don't come back for 2 years and in the meantime there's all these reasons why this isn't working for us." and nobody's listening to us and that's how the technology ends up in the drawer. So I think there's that caution and then you have to marry it with something that has come out of the pandemic but is one of those things that's kind of at an inflection point where we don't have we don't have a clear direction which is the use of consumer devices as part of the store experience and you know we've seen companies like Walmart invest in the in-store mode and things like that where it's supposed to be driven directly off of the consumer's phone. And then for a lot of our customers at Aptos, we have a lot of specialty retailers that have very small store formats. So it's not like wayfinding is gonna be a really valuable use case for a consumer in terms of using their own device for things like that. But, But there's lots of operational complications for leveraging consumer devices. Like if you wanna do consumer mobile scan and go, and I hear it from retailers all the time that this is something they're very interested in. But if you have security tags on your products, then you already have a huge barrier for how you enable that. Like at some point, a consumer is gonna have to go to a store associate somewhere and get that security tag removed in order for them to buy the product. Because you, you can't really offer that as a self-service option, not unless you want your store to be emptied. So it's things like that, these physical, kind of the constraints of the location itself that are getting in the way now, much more so than what the technology can do or how you can deploy that technology. And personally, I find that fascinating, like acknowledging the process change that has to come with technology. This is putting that like right in your face. You can't get around that because it's consumers and if they don't like it, they won't use it. So you can't make them. <laughs> That's
1: that, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. So, so you brought up the capabilities of the technology and and how it's almost in a way making it easier. I feel like for retailers to implement, to test, to roll things out like in store events, like you were you were noting earlier, like community driven experiences, and, and you know. If it doesn't work, like there's a way or a path to adapt or pivot. So, can we kind of dig into that a little bit? I mean, especially given the central role of omni-channel or a unified customer experience. I mean, what does the tech allow for retailers to do now? Like, what what are the capabilities that really need to be known and applied? I guess to ensure that retailers are equipped to be agile and constantly innovate and think forward as far as what the customer experience can be? Yeah, I think the biggest one
0: is just the ability to provide visibility in the store, whether that's visibility into inventory or into customer orders or into the customers themselves. The ability to provide that visibility is greater than it's ever been. And it really is running up into process constraints around well should I provide all of this customer data for example to a frontline store associate is that appropriate is that creepy how are they really going to actually use that data those become the more important questions that you have to answer whereas before it was the customers coming into the store and with their mobile phone accessing the website they can see more than the store associate could see so You know, as far as the technology delivering that information into store associates hands, you know, we're more capable of doing that than we've ever been. And now that's kind of pushed the frontier in terms of the challenges that retailers have to, okay, well, now that we have all this information, what do we do with it? And how do we do something with it that is respectful of consumers, but also helps me meet my business objectives?
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the alignment to business objectives and you know expectations because I feel like we've been subtly getting to the point of like maximizing the investment, right? Like and ensuring that there is a return, there is an impact on the business. So, is there anything that we haven't talked about yet, like in terms of how leadership teams should be assessing possible technology investments, measuring the impact, and ensuring that they're getting? the most value possible? Like, does it depend on like what exactly they're implementing? Because I feel like there have been a lot of conversations around budgeting and how to prioritize these investments. So like, what would you recommend to folks listening now that are trying to get all their ducks in a row, so to speak?
0: Yeah. I mean, especially when you're talking about store technology, I think the biggest challenge right now for a lot of retailers, even retailers that I would think of as being technology forward the, the cost of putting hardware in stores, right? There's that store multiplier out there. It's huge. It's way more, multiples times more what you spend on the software or the implementation of that software. So a lot of times retailers find themselves kind of milking that hardware to the max. And we've had quite a few sunsets of operating systems and payments um, frameworks and kind of hardcore technical things that are really pushing a lot of hardware to end of life. And that was exacerbated by the pandemic, both that retailers were like, okay, well, we're we're not getting rid of any of this stuff now because our stores are closed, all the way to, I would dearly love to get rid of all of this stuff now, but I can't get my hands on any new equipment because of the supply chain issues. So, whenever you're talking about store investments, like there's always this question of ROI, but you first have to get past the, I'm not going to be PCI compliant unless I change these payment devices. (laughs) And that often is the driver of the decision, but that's where I think the more savvy companies kind of pile on top of that and say, okay, well, yeah, we got to spend this money. Like this is a continuing operations kind of thing that we have to address, but but how can I turn that into ROI, like either by looking at what this enables me to do long term, or what are the you know three things that I could do with this in the next year after I take care of my compliance issues and get my organization kind of back in shape from that perspective. So that's really the difference that I see is that you have some retailers who are like, well, I got to spend this money, so I'm going to spend this money, come back to me in a couple of years after we get all this rolled out. Versus the ones who are like, well, I got to spend this money, but if I'm going to spend it, I want to understand where I'm going and how I can maximize that. And those are more of the conversations that we see happening rather than, you know, that they're looking for a specific ROI or they're trying to drive sales or, or whatever. Retailers are always trying to drive
1: sales. So right, <laughs> that's right. sort of in- That always there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, it's great. So, I mean, w- with that, I'd love to talk a little bit about the future to close things out. Again, we're seeing a lot of interesting use cases for in-store technology, in-store experience. We're hearing that, you know, consumers want to shop in-store, but they're more mindful of what they get out of that experience in return but there's also that need for efficiency and creating an operationally sound retail store environment for the for employees. So, do you have any thoughts or predictions around how retailers investment priorities will change or evolve in 2023? Any tech that you think will rise to the top?
0: Yeah, I mean like right now for sure, there's still a lot of priority on on executing omnichannel. So the fulfillment side of it in the store even you know the endless aisle still is a huge deal because like the endless aisle side of things where you're standing in the store but you want to sell inventory that's located elsewhere that was something that you know just really got shoved to the side during the pandemic so retailers are starting to pick that back up again and really look at how do i make sure that i'm maximizing the opportunity that i have when a customer comes in the store Again, it's sort of like thinking about it in terms of removing the barriers from them getting everything that they want (laughs) when they want it. So the execution side of that, the store fulfillment, store inventory management, being able to increase the capacity to fulfill orders in a store without having to add more labor, being able to have store associates in the aisle and kind of multitasking, so switching between fulfillment activities and then moving over to selling activities at the drop of a hat because a customer walked up, up to them in the middle of that process and asked them a question. You know, being able to do that smoothly and efficiently is definitely a big priority. And then I think they're looking beyond that to say, how do I if I do have that customer who's come to the store for a fulfillment activity how do I, one, make that the best experience for the customer possible, but two, also, how do I turn that into kind of add-on sales or additional delight for that customer when they do come in the store? So those are the two areas, at least from the customer experience side. The other place where we're seeing a lot of impact, though, is that they're using a lot of in-store inventory for outside demand. And that is definitely wreaking havoc on their inventory strategies for stores. So we see a lot of questions about, well, do I assort products that I don't really expect will do well in the store, but that I can ship from store to meet demand that might be close, but not something that's going to function in this store. So back to the real estate question of, well, where physically, where are consumers going to go to expect to shop? How do I leverage the locations that I have from a more holistic point of view so that I can, you know, staff a region, I can um, stock up a region and not necessarily worry about where in that region the inventory is. It's close and that's good enough. It doesn't have to be on the shelf. It can be in a back room somewhere. And that gives me a lot of flexibility. So it is in retailers minds that's wholly still being focused on the customer experience because once you know what a customer wants it's about getting it to them as efficiently and effectively as possible and so they're they're very much trying to solve that problem But like I said, thinking about, okay, but then where next from there? Right.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely a snowball effect of sorts, right? Because space is finite, right? And like, how do you kind of use all of the real estate in the store as effectively as possible? And then also like, how do you use your team in in the most effective way possible, right? Like if they're spending all this time picking and packing orders, like what does that mean for the customer experience like in the store? So there are a lot of entangled uh, questions which I'm sure makes these conversations very interesting for you.
0: Yep, very lively, those conversations.
1: <laughs> no, so this has been great, Nikki. Um, before I let you go, I do want to ask one final question. The one great thing about this show is that we do have a very diverse audience, you know, some C-level, but also some folks, you know, lower within the organization, maybe within functional teams, but they're also, you know, very laser-focused on a specific area of the business, specific opportunities for technology, I know we talked a lot about the decision-making team for technology investments, who's largely included in those decisions. Do you have any closing recommendations or takeaways for the listeners right now who maybe want to help influence a technology decision or want to help make the case for a new experience or a new technology in their store or somewhere else in the organization because i feel like again you know in order to achieve that alignment there needs to be a back and forth or a give and take between the C level and everyone else. So, for the folks, you know, in the organization doing the work that say like, okay, like this tech can have a great impact on my business, how can they, you know, start those conversations? How can they influence that kind of change? Yeah, I think the best place to start is to just make sure that you understand the whole
0: big picture of all of the technology things that your company is trying to accomplish because a lot of times you're operating in a silo, right? It's like, I'm in the merchandising team, and I only care about merchandising apps and technology. And and we must have RFID as just an example, right? But RFID has huge implications for stores and, and how you take that all the way down to the store level. So you can't just think about it in terms of, we need RFID for whatever, from an inventory management perspective, the more you can link up with other groups objectives, the more that you're going to kind of surface your investment interest into a priority, because that's back to the, well, look, we're going to have to make some kind of investment here. And if I'm going to make that investment, then I want to make sure that I'm maximizing my opportunity for what I can do with that investment. So the more that you can tie to existing priorities, the more that you can make that persuasive case to kind of expand, like, well, if you're going to do this, you should do this too. I think that's probably the best way. Like you're, you're not going to break through completely on your own. And most of the things that companies need to invest in, they impact far more than one organization. So the more that you understand those impacts, then the more effective you're going to be in making your case.
1: That's great. So with that, Nikki, I know you're very busy. So appreciate you taking the time out to chat with me and kind of unpack all of this because I feel like again, it is such an exciting time for retail for retail technology but there is so much to dissect and i'm sure a lot of folks listening right now just want to ensure that they're making the best possible decisions for their business. So thanks for digging into that with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure always. Likewise. And to all of you, if you have any follow-up questions for Nikki or, you know, just want to continue the conversation, please drop us a line on Twitter at our points or on LinkedIn at Retail Touchpoints. As always, we'll link Nikki in the notes and description on those platforms so you can have a direct conversation, ask follow-up questions, and get the information you need. And of course, if you like today's episode, leave us a rating or review. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, frankly, everywhere else. We are likely there. We would love to hear from you. But for now, everyone, that is it from us. We will see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.